Hey, this is Kevin O'Connor. Welcome to the new feed for The Mismatch. Thank you so much for subscribing. And if you're listening but haven't already, please click that follow button on Spotify or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. On today's episode, Chris Vernon and I are joined by a very, very special guest, Bill Simmons. We talked about the Rockets and the James Harden mess that's happening there and what could happen next. Then we got into the teams that were higher on or lower on than the consensus, as well as rookie of the year odds. All that next. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. To the mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin Verno. We got a guest today. We do. It was a big weekend for our uh, inaugural mismatch feed pod. And so, as we told you, we are going to be bringing on uh, different people throughout the weeks. And who better to have first than the man himself, Bill Simmons? He joins us now. What's up, Bill? I think I invited myself on, but that's fine. No. <laughs> that's fine. We can pretend it was your idea. I was like, hey, man, I'm ready. Tell me when. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is per- this is perfect because you have been talking about this situation. In fact, last week on your podcast, talked about the situation that we're starting with today, which yeah. is... James Harden was supposed to be at Rockets camp. Everybody is having their training camps in the NBA. James Harden was seen at Lil Baby's birthday party with a hundred grand. Uh, which, by the way, I will say this before we get into anything else. Good friend to give. I mean, that was evidently his gift to Lil Baby, a hundred thousand dollars for his birthday. Then he was seen in uh in a gentleman's club. Then he was seen in Drea's nightclub in Las Vegas. So he's been all around the world over the course of the past couple of days, everywhere except for Rockets camp. Um, Steven Silas said, obviously, it's an issue to not have our best player here. We don't really know when he's going to show up. Um, But let's start with that. Uh, What the hell are the Rockets going to do about this? Well, first of all, you made it seem like it was a big deal that James Harden was at a strip club and a nightclub. <laughs> he calls that Thursday. Yeah, right. <laughs> or Friday. I, I just think he's living his life. It's a staring contest. We knew this was going to be how it played out. I did my pot on Thursday. I thought he would get traded before the season. I still feel that way. And um, I don't like the league that this league is becoming. Mm. So is it too much I'll player just, empowerment? It's this is beyond player empowerment. This is just being shitty to an entire fan base. Like, let's call it for what it is. This is somebody who is getting paid, I think, like what, 40, 40 million dollars a year, 41 million dollars a year, who has been with this franchise for eight years and had a connection with the with the city and the community. And just because they didn't make the finals the last two years, which I think he's at least partially to blame, just decides he wants to leave. And now he's just going to do whatever the fuck he wants. I don't know why they don't just stop paying him. Like he's supposed to be there. 
when going back to the seventies and eighties, when I was growing up, when people didn't show up for training camp, preseason stuff like that, they got fined. Teams are so afraid of star players now. And I, Kevin, I don't understand that piece of it. Cause I always hear the argument of, Oh, they don't want, they don't want to make the agents upset. They don't want to send mm. a message out that they're not player friendly to other teams. At some point, this is your best guy. And he's allegedly the leader of your team. And he's just basically taking a shit on your franchise. How how do you just stand by and not find him at least? You, you know, I mean, the player empowerment era has fans believing and in media too, for that matter, that teams should listen to every demand that a player has. And with James Harden last year, last summer when they traded to Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, that was a situation where Maury felt like he had to do something. And in that situation, they gave up their entire future for one year of Russell Westbrook. And I can't help but look at this mess that Houston is in right now and think James Harden has nobody to blame but James Harden for these issues. The Chris Paul relationship did not go well, forced the trade to get Russell Westbrook, and now forcing his way out after Russell Westbrook wanted out, and he wants out too. So for Harden, a lot of these issues were you know, created by himself, or at least largely created by himself. And this is a situation in which where the player empowerment you know, as the as the Rockets, you only have so much that you can do. I still think Harden's going to show up, and if he doesn't show up, eventually it will come to a point where they are able to just not pay him. It's not there yet, but that moment will come if he doesn't arrive. But who knows? By the time people listen to this on Tuesday morning, he very well may be on his way to Rockets camp. But, I mean, what a mess, man. Like, overall, I'm not sure. What can the league do? Like, what can the league do about, about taking back power in, in, in situations like this? Well, I mean, look, they they do have power in a lot of things, right? You get drafted to a place that, you know, you have no say over. Um, most guys stay through their first eight years. I mean, yes. there, there, there's certainly a lot of things that players don't have choice in. And now maybe the pendulum has swung a little too far the other way. That being said, you wrote this article about how you can't trade James Harden, or they shouldn't. They should just sit, let him be uncomfortable, whatever else. Here's the problem, right? If you're Houston, obviously, look, if he's not going to go to training camp and he's not wants to be part of this team, it's going to be toxic anyway. And everybody knows that you want to move him uh, or that that's what you're going to have to do. You've got to convince him to at least get there, play the part, be a professional and say like, yo, we're not going to, we're not going to be able to trade you because the, the, Whatever you're getting back, build that. I, I, you kind of outlined it. Uh, you know how if you're Houston, you just kind of wait and hold him and let the offers get better because these teams don't have to do this yet. Well, he's kind of forcing the hand right now in that it, he's going to create such a bad environment, or at least he is right off the bat that. I can't imagine somebody's going to be like, oh, okay, now we'll give you all kinds of crap for James Harden. Like, I think if you're Houston, the play is to just beg it, like, yo, like, do right by this. Help us help you get a trade because there's no way we can get what we want back for you if you're not here and everybody knows you don't want to be part of this. Well, why do they have to do anything? That's the part I don't understand. Everybody's like, well, they got to trade him if he's not happy. It's like, do they? They don't. Because he, he, here's the, here's what they have. Here's the pressure they have. Um, the pressure they have is he's at the, probably the, I don't know, 10-yard line of his prime, right? He's 31, but he's he's been really, really durable the last 10 years. And do we think he's going to be at this level for one more year, two more years, four more years? I don't know. But each year you lose now at this point in your career really matters to you big picture. It matters for scoring records. It matters for your legacy. It matters for, can I actually make the finals while I'm this good, as good as I am right now? They can use the pressure of that against him in a weird way. And it's like, hey man, if you just want to you know, ruin your season, fine. We just won't pay you. Don't show up to work. They don't have to do anything that they don't want to do. And unfortunately for James, um, I don't feel bad for him because he signed a huge contract to be there. What was it? Like a $200 million contract? Yeah, 190 right. million, 180 million. So if he got hurt, they'd still have to pay him, right? They'd still have, they'd be on the hook for his contract. They wouldn't be able to be like, yeah, we're James, we've decided we're not paying you anymore. Like to me, it's, it's at least somewhat of a two way street. They have an obligation to pay him. He has an obligation to play. 
And this isn't a good reason not to play because he's not happy. Also, what he's doing to Steven Silas is disgusting. I he that guy. I feel so bad for him. I do. I mean, this is your first media sessions, right? Right. No, it's like we talked about last week, Chris. For Silas, I feel awful for that dude. He walks into this situation and nobody wants to be there, especially James Harden. Now with this, you know, crap that they're dealing with. But ultimately, you know, I think, you know, to answer my own question, I asked you earlier, Bill. Like, what do you do about it? It's like Chris said. There's other advantages that teams have. You have a rookie contract and. You have, obviously, restricted free agency. They have rights to players for a long time. So it's not like teams don't have power in this. And they do also just have the power to say, no, they don't have to take that Nets deal right now. They don't have to take anything Philly might be offering. I heard your podcast last week where you went through a number of different teams that could potentially make offers. And you kind of, you know, came to the point that the best asset they can probably be offered is Ben Simmons. And I agree with that, but, you know, I agree Boston's not trading Tatum, you know, Denver's not trading Murray, but I do think there are a couple of potential guys that, you know, could make some theoretical sense for both sides. So just going to lay out three of them. Atlanta, mm. Bogdanovich, Cam Reddish, salary filler, and future picks. Bogdanovich, they just got him. Well, well that when you're eligible KFC to trade him. Not, not now, not now, but when you're <laughs> eligible to trade him. Minnesota? D'Angelo yeah. Russell and picks they can trade all their first after 2023. Oh, he'd be, he'd be thrilled to be in Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't matter what he wants. It's what the team wants. And then the last one, New Orleans, Brandon Ingram and picks, and they have all a whole bunch of picks. So I'm just laying out those three teams. Right, why would I want James ideas. Harden right now after he's pulling this crap? Yeah, I think it's too because risky. He's a top for- 10 player. I know, but it's too risky for those teams because you're trading for a guy who's immediately going to be super unhappy when he shows up. If you're Minnesota, you can't. You just went through this with Jimmy Butler. Um, Atlanta seems like they're all about Trey Young. Trey Young probably wouldn't want James Harden because he feels not. like he feels like they're on the same level. Trey Young because he won 20 <laughs> games last year, and then uh, <laughs> New Orleans is the only one that's mildly intriguing because they have so many picks. And could you talk Harden into um, Zion and? And playing with him and so and Stephen Adams, a couple other things, but um, I think we sh- we all agree James Harden in New Orleans probably isn't a good idea from a nightlife. Oh, well, state. here's we a, here's the to, thing: Bill. <laughs> have to cut that one out. You, you were asking about how you didn't want that, how how this could change or what the league has become. It changes by Houston standing up. That's how it changes. Like a team finally saying, "To hell with you! Like show up and play and be bad." Like, that's how right. it changes. That's the only way it changes is if somebody doesn't cave to him. Want, like they, They're like, yo, we tried everything to make you happy. We brought in star after star here. We brought in Chris. You said you wanted to play with Chris. We brought in Russ. You said you wanted to play with Russ. I mean, at what yeah, but point? Chris, Chris, you have kids. Yeah. So they gave James Harden every single thing he wanted for the last eight years, even to the point of like actually making the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook throwing in picks trade for him <laughs> because he want to play with his buddy. And at some point when the best player on the team just feels like he's above the law like this, it, it hits this dangerous point. I remember this happened with the Lakers with Kobe, right? Where Kobe was basically, he Convinced them to get rid of Shaq, even though he didn't like necessarily make the trade, but it was like a him or me type thing. Um, and those next couple of years, they tried to cater to Kobe and to him scoring points, and it didn't work. And it hit that point in 2007 when they seriously tried to explore trading him. And they had two things, and Kobe's like, I don't really want to do that. But ultimately, if Dr. Buss hadn't come in and said, what are we doing? We're not trading Kobe Bryant. I actually think they would have traded him. And... um and then Kobe, they get Gasol and everything kind of works out. That's the only time I remember somebody coming to the precipice like this and then staying and then everything ended up happily. I guess Hakeem Olajuwon was another one who was unhappy, but I, I don't think they ever seriously considered trading him. But in the last 30 years, those are the only two names I remember where, and then the guy ended up staying and then it worked out. This feels dead to me. I don't think there's any coming back from this. And I'd be really interested to know what the Houston fans think of this. Like, imagine rooting for this team your whole life and this dude that you're defending every year when you lose in the playoffs. And a lot of the times it's because he disappears at the worst possible times. You're defending him to your buddies. And then he's like, yeah, all right, I'm out of here. I'm going to go play with uh, with Joel Embiid or I'm going to go play with Kevin Durant. 
I can't I can't tell you for certain. I'm not totally plugged in. These Houston fans, they hate my guts because I've been for good the, reason. Uh, I, I, yeah, for for good <laughs> <Who doesn't>? reason. <laughs> Primarily because most of them are stupid. But the, I, I feel like they have turned their attention once again because they will never blame James Harden. He just he, he can really whip it out and urinate right on their face, and they would take it. They're they're now turning their attention to the owner. It's always somebody else. So now it's Tillman Fertitta's fault. That's whose fault this is, right? Right. Well, he he never should have let the Westbrook trade happen. No, it's always going to be somebody that trade else's was fault. was negligent. Of course. But it's always going to be somebody else's fault. It's never going to be James Harden's fault. And so now they'll stand up for James Harden, in, and he's the big bad guy. He's the problem now. But, but here's the thing, Chris, and KOC knows this. It, he's going to go to a new team, and everyone will forget that this happened, and it's not going to matter. We we went through this with Jimmy Butler, who did the same thing in Minnesota, and all of us loved what he did last year in Miami, right? He landed right. on the right team. All is forgiven. Who cares? The, he got what he wanted, and I know that's how the Harden thing's going to play out. I think what makes this a little bit different was him going to Vegas and the nightclub and yeah. the— strip club and that like he's kind of flagrantly shoving it in their face and that's in the I middle can't remember. of a pandemic right right like that's, it's, not, it's, it's not just you're at a strip club when you're supposed to be at training camp it's that right. you're at a strip club in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> while you're supposed to be at training camp like if nothing else they've sent out 500,000 rules for these guys right. none of which include being in big groups or I, I don't know. Uh, it's, well, so it's so even when he comes back, I don't think he can even be around the no. players for probably like 10, 12 days, right? I mean, I believe they, so. Yeah. They test you. They te they get tested every single day, every day. Chris, are we sure this season is happening? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're, this season's gonna happen. I mean, it, it's gonna be bumpy for sure. But I mean, you think it? Ha you think it launches on Christmas like they think it's going to? Yes. I think it's gonna be hard. Would you bet your life on it? No. no. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. That's where I am. The last the last 24 hours I've got I've heard I think teams are getting a little worried about whether this is actually going to come off. I get to do the I get to do the Rosillo goop. Bill, you played basketball. <laughs> Yo, I here's did. the thing. Hey, here's the thing. It's a germ. Like you're literally passing around a germ. In football, yeah. there's 22 guys, like 5 of them touch it. Five of them touch the ball, right? Like, and then they're swapping it out the whole time or whatever. And I know there's 53 guys on the roster, but in terms of basketball, if one guy, you know, is asymptomatic or has it or is carrying it or just happened to be hanging out with his girlfriend over the weekend and she has a job where she's going to work around other people, yeah. I mean, it's just so hard. It's going to be so hard. Um, not to mention, you guys have both been in NBA locker rooms. It is tight quarters, man. Tight quarters. It's just going to be hard if the virus. I mean, obviously, we're praying for a vaccine as soon as possible, and obviously, the NBA will be privy to that. But I, I don't know. College basketball. They had my one of my best friends uh, covers college basketball. I think there were ninety games or something like that scheduled this weekend, and thirty five percent of them got canceled. Thirty five percent of them. Thirty-five mm. percent of the games. Well, and and, every, and it's getting worse across the country. So yeah, I, I'm I'm concerned about that piece of it too. But yeah, it's I think short term. Short term, just looking at it for what this is. This is one of the best players in the league doing something that we haven't seen very often in NBA history. And the way he's doing it, I think, pretty much stands alone. Okay, so I listened to your pod as did Kev last week. Kev, Thanks, I know, guys. I know you were, I know you're very interested in this. The whole Brooklyn and Philly, you kind of lined it out, and I know you threw Denver in there with the Michael Porter Jr. thing but and whatever. I, that else. was the only. I thought Brooklyn had to get another asset, yeah. or else they don't have enough. So that was the best one I could think of. I think, I think it's crazy how you guys are dismissing the ideas I threw out there. I'm looking for like the Toronto landing Kawhi. I'm looking for the the OKC landing Paul George. Well, I'm looking for New that Orleans, dark horse team. New Orleans yeah. is a dark horse. I think that's legit. Yeah, Atlanta, like if they're good. You know, or or at least they want to really make a push. Or Minnesota, if D'Angelo Russell's, eh, and they want to try to maximize Carl Towns. I mean, they did it before with Butler, different regime, but still. I mean, I feel Atlanta's like Atlanta's not getting Atlanta's not getting James Harden unless Trey Young's in the trade. 
I'm sorry. So what about their future picks? That could be better than the Brooklyn deal. That could be better than the Brooklyn deal, even with the Michael Porter Jr. idea you mentioned. You can't trade him unless you have one person you can point to to your fans and you say, we got this guy. That was the flaw of the, even like something like the original Harden trade, which wasn't, he wasn't the same sure. kind of guy, but it was like. Jeremy Lamb. You know, Jeremy Lamb, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. Kevin Martin, and it was the Steven Adams pick. And just in general, it, it hasn't worked. It's funny though. I think teams are getting better at superstar trades because the Davis trade that good. New Orleans made was probably the best version of one of those trades, right? Where you give up a superstar, but they got a ton of shit back. Okay, so what do you think that Philly would trade Ben Simmons for James Harden? Because you mentioned that. I think they would have to. I think you have to. Today? Or do you have to wait until the season begins? I, I said this last week. I think you have to, if you're Philly... You're not throwing in anything. It's just Simmons for Harden. That's it. And the only way you throw in more is what I laid out in that pod, which is you have this other suitor comes in and you're worried you might not get him. And now you have to throw in stuff. But I think Simmons for Harden is an awesome basketball trade. That's the best player. That is by far uh, the best player you could get back. Remember um, when Marbury... Yeah, remember when Marbury and Cade got traded for each other? Phoenix had to trade Cade because he had a domestic violence situation. Yep. And they flipped him for Marbury. And it was just a great one-on-one -on -one trade where it was like, Marbury is this young guy on the way up. Kid is right in his prime. Marbury is worth 80% of Kid. They're extenuating circumstances. So they do the deal. And then Kid makes the finals the next two years. But um, it reminds me of that trade where it's like you have one guy whose arrow is still pointing up. You have another guy who is like directly in his prime. And if they got Harden, I think... I think they would have to be the favorites in the East. Oh, I would, I would think so too. But one thing I just want to get back to that you mentioned in passing earlier, Bill, was you said you think this from the Houston perspective is dead. The relationship with Harden and Houston. I wouldn't go that far yet until he ends up showing up. He's unhappy. And if things don't go well, I think if it doesn't go well, once he returns, whenever that happens, then we can say it's dead. But until then, I still think there's a pulse. And for the Rockets, they need to get him back then? and feel this out. They have to figure out how it works with Harden and Wall and Christian Wood and PJ Tucker and all the guys they got there with a new coach, new system. Silas said today there's more ball movement. That's an emphasis for them. They gotta see how it works with Harden before doing anything. Just have to. I don't care how bad it is right now. You don't trade James Harden, a top 10 player, an MVP candidate. For you know the, these four quarters out there that people are offering, yeah, I just, agree. there's not a deal that you take, so it's not dead quite yet, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, it's close, but it, they got to give this a chance. Koc, I I agree with you. Oh yeah, no, look, that I, I I'm not gonna, I I, I certainly would not uh, disagree on that in terms of I, I, when do you have to make the. It's dead in the sense that it's never going to no. actually work where he's happy again in Houston. I think that piece is dead. I'm a child of divorce. KOC is not a child of divorce. So I'm <laughs> more cynical naturally. Yeah. I, I, I know firsthand divorce happens. This is a divorce. This will be a divorce. I don't know when, but it's going to be dead. It does feel inevitable. I'll say that for sure. Yeah. I mean, they offered him the Supermax and he didn't want to take it. And now he's not showing up. Like, what more yeah. do we need to know here? <laughs> like, I mean, the Fertitta and his son, they sound like such a delight to hang out with. I don't oh know what he's God. thinking. <laughs> well, hey, what was <laughs> the so name? much what fun. Was, no, what was his name of the book? Like, Shut the Hell Up or something? Shut yeah, Up and Listen. Shut, shut up. Up. <laughs> yeah, he's, got a, he's got a book called Shut Up and Listen. No, I wonder why he's having problems with his star player. <laughs> oh, I my mean, God. And I, I mean, look, in fairness to Houston fans, I understand why they, like, they've turned this guy into the villain. He seems... Well, all around, the good thing. He, he sounds awful. He really does sound awful. He came in, everything was great, and within two years, everybody's going to be gone. Everybody, <laughs> literally every asset they have, including Daryl Morey, who was like, "Yeah, I'm going to take a year off. It's going to be great to spend time with my kids." Ten days later, he was working for Philadelphia. Oh, poor Rockets fans. Once Harden's traded, they're going to get the John Wall DeMarcus Cousins show five years after it would have been fun. Oh, no, not the John Walter Marcus Cousin show. I got to say, I still think that's fun. <laughs> I, I, I it, it still signed me up. <laughs> signed me up for Wall and Cousins. I have, I have Wall and Cousins. I'm not giving up on them. I, I mean, if they were in the big three, 
Um, oh, whoa. All right. <laughs> all right. So, anyways, uh, I did want to ask you one thing that I have not heard you mention at all, Bill. And I find this very, very interesting because much like everybody knows that, like, you had podcast get podcast guests over the years and that yeah. you guys you were really friendly with um daryl was one of them steve kerr was one of them i have not heard you mention the nash thing at all in what sense that, that he is the head coach in brooklyn and whether or not you think steve nash like how that's going to work because you actually also know kevin durant and now we have Kyrie's obviously Mm. throwing his flag in the ground to the media right before the season even starts that I guess he's just going to uh, email us all statements about how he feels about everything. But you know that guy as a person. Um, I think on the surface, everybody thinks, hey, great point guard, great guy, probably could end up being a good coach, but he's not exactly walking into the easiest situation. I talked about it once with Raja after he got hired because I was shocked that people were not realizing what like a natural coaching candidate right. he was. And, and just the history of the week, the best players who were leaders like he was always become coaches. And if they want to become coaches, they immediately get hired. And that's just the way it goes. I was surprised having known him for a long time and knowing how he feels about chemistry and um, the importance of team personality and stuff like that that he was willing to walk into this um, Durant-Kyrie thing. Now, the caveat is he spent a lot of time with Durant, and Durant's a good guy, and I think they really spent a lot of time kind of obsessing over craft and little things about drop steps and shooting off the wrong foot and all the stuff like if you're going to use Steve Nash as a resource. And Durant just like loves to hoop. That's who he is. He's fundamentally, he loves basketball. He loves talking about basketball and him and Nash, I think really clicked. And I think Nash is probably looking at it as if Durant is healthy again, this guy was the best player in the league when he got hurt. He was, he was the best player in the league that playoffs when he got hurt. And if he's even 98% of that, I have a chance to compete for a title and Kyrie is a point guard. I can get along with other point guards. I'll figure him out. I've, I dealt with Amari Stoudemire. I dealt with Sean Marion. I've dealt with eclectic personalities. And then Brooklyn and a lot of money. You know, I, I think Nash wanted to be in a big city if he was going to do this. And I'm sure there was a pro-con list. I didn't talk to him about it. I'm sure there were a ton of pros. I'm sure there were a couple cons. But um, re- a really high-profile first job, I guess, would be Really high-profile. Because I, I, remember t- I remember talking to Kerr when he was taking the Warriors thing. And that was a no-brainer. Yeah, And Kerr was deciding between Knicks and Warriors. And I remember talking to him about it. I was working for ESPN. He was like, what'd you think? And uh, and I was just like, I, the worst thing's a no-brainer. I can't think of a single reason not to do it. You have your best player is an awesome guy. You have a, a young team that kind of underachieved last year for what they were. You have owners that are willing to spend. And you have one of the best fan bases in the league. Like, that's a layup. I don't feel like Brooklyn was a layup. But Brooklyn is supposed to be awesome. Do you think... Do you think Brooklyn is supposed to be awesome, KOC? Like, what is a, I mean, a win? You mean as a basketball team or yeah, a franchise? Yes, they are. People are expecting them to be a dynamite team. I mean, people reacted. Kevin Pelton, you know, he just throws the numbers in the computer and sees what pops out. And they had him like, I don't know what it was, like 41 wins, seventh place or whatever, like in those projections. And people were like, oh, the 41 bone. of 72 or 41 of. Like 82. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 41 of 72. Okay, it, was like, right. it was like seventh place because it was taking into consideration uh, A, the injury thing, and B, the fact that they should still be pretty shitty defensively. Yeah, I mean, I think the defensive aspect, that's, what, that's what's going to determine if they're awesome, yeah. as you said, or just very, very good. I mean, the, we saw last couple of years, Lakers, Raptors, you need defense in order to win a championship. Did the Nets have yeah. enough of that? I'm not so sure they do. Oh, come on. We know they didn't. DeAndre Jordan. Probably not. Yeah. Not with DJ, you know, anchoring the paint. KD coming off an Achilles. Kyrie not being a great defender, though, I will say in postseason setting with Cleveland, he did lock in on defense and was better when he had to be. Um, but that, that's it's my a lot fear with the Achilles, though, is the, that, mm. that, that when you're talking about can he be 95% what he was, whatever, that 5% is. Yeah. 
you can lose like just Wes Matthews is a good example. He's probably yep. the most modern example we've had of this. He's a different player after the injury. He just was. He was not the same guy. Offensively, I don't worry as much with KD, but defensively and with Clay when he returns too, I do worry about moving laterally and on switching against quicker guys. That's where I get concerned for what KD can be defensively. Because when we saw him, he's at, tall. At the, oh yeah, he's tall. He's seven, he's also he's lean. seven feet, you know. And it's like when once I always worry with tall guys when anything below the knees starts to go knees and down, you know. And, and but I, on the other hand, if anyone was going to spend like a couple million bucks to rehab that Achilles. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the technology is better now. Mm -hmm. So as Chris knows, that's why Chris is that's right. in such phenomenal shape. <laughs> you know? Chris has a cryo chamber. How dare you? Him and his it's four kids, they go in the cryo chamber. <laughs> and why, they, I, my number of kids changes every time we speak. <laughs> Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit Honda.com slash Prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Before we get you out of here, the team that you know you are going to be higher on than people, the team you know you're going to be lower on than people going into the season. Oh, that's a good question. I really like Washington as yeah. as a team that is just going to be a 45 to 47 win team that has a lot of pieces that I like. And it was the team I was hoping Westbrook would go to. I like him and Bill together. That's 55 points a game. We can debate Westbrook another time, but that's 55 points a game with those two guys. And I like their role guys. I like Robin Lopez. I love Bertans. Mm. Um, I think Brian will be good. If, if KOC's dude, Denny... If Denny can come through, Denny and Rui, um, <laughs> both of those dudes. But and I, Troy Brown, and Troy Brown, that's Troy Brown too. Guy. Another one. <laughs> I like that team. Like I'm if you, you were telling me Toronto versus Washington, you would say, "Oh, Toronto will definitely have a better record than Washington." But I think Washington has a little more upside just because what Russ brings to the table is insane as he is in so many different directions. Is just he's going to play 82 games. He will play 2,900 minutes. He'll average a 27, nine and nine, and you'll win some games. You probably shouldn't have won. The ringer NBA staff released uh, like power rankings today. And they had the wizards in the same group as the Hawks and magic. And I'm like, Wizards should be no way, way better than that. No way. It should be way better than those no two. Way. They're in the Indiana group, I, in I, my opinion. I agree. Indiana group makes sense. You know this, Bill, because all those years you had season tickets to the Clippers, and it's much like when I was having to go to every Grizzly game when they sucked for so many years. And it is, you gain a different level of respect for the stars. You feel I feel like this has a profound impact on teams. You gain, you see the guys on a Tuesday night in Memphis where there's like not even a video camera at the game and they still want to just rip your hearts out. Like those are the wins you just get because those guys just, they don't care. Like no matter yeah. what game it is, whether it's national TV or not, they want to kill you. And that's the kind of thing that like the, the Westbrook guys, like, that I, I always end up Kobe was like that. 
every single time. I watch that dude put up 56, 63, 65 in games that just nobody was even watching. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's I'm watching these they games. didn't take Dinwiddie is the, is the one regret I have with this whole thing. Because I think you had Dinwiddie. I think he could have played with Westbrook and Beal because he can play off the ball. Mm. I think he would have given them some playmaking kind of unselfishness that they desperately needed. But in general, if you have two really good players and you have good role players around them, you're going to be good. And they have two top 30 guys. Oh, the team. Yeah, you know you're going to be lower on than the consensus. <sighs> I'm try- I'm, it's got to be somebody in the West, say, right? Say, say the Lakers. I dare you. No, I think the Lakers are <laughs> going to be good. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. How about the I Grizzlies? Am, uh, I'm dubious of the Clippers. Ooh. Interesting. Clippers. I, I think there's some weird chemistry shit going on there. They didn't make all the trades I thought they were going to make. I didn't like anything I read from those dudes. Uh, Paul George talking about uh, basically blaming Doc Rivers like it was Doc Rivers' fault. He just would check out of halves. Um, Marcus Marcus Morris, I I wasn't used correctly. You're Marcus Morris. You've been on nine teams. What are you talking about? (laughs) Hey, how long does it take you to drive to San Diego, by the way? When I read that, that's a two-hour drive because my daughter has soccer in there sometimes. It's like you try to leave when there's no traffic because it's, it's a two legit, hours. It's a legit two hours. Legit. No wonder he was always late to the plane or whatever they said. I thought he had like a helicopter thing going on, but I don't like. Here, here's the other thing with Kawhi. You know, he landed in that really a perfect situation in Toronto, right? Like. They have a foundation. They have real leadership. They have an awesome coach. They have a great organization. He's he's entering a team that was already like kind of a fringe contender. It wasn't unrealistic for them to make the jump. And he all he had to do is fit in. He didn't have to be like the guy. I don't know. Can he be the guy? Do, if your best two guys are Kawhi and Paul George, what kind of team are you going to have? Are you, what kind of heart are you going to have for four rounds? It, it, this might be a silly thought, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. Is there any chance Kawhi comes back a more vocal person realizing no. that he needs to take the No chance? Zero. No chance. He doesn't speak. No doesn't chance. Speak. I, no I, chance. Listen, I, I think he's one of the top 30 players ever. I think he's awesome. But somebody's going to have to be the alpha dog in that team. And maybe it's going to be Ty Lue because I think he did that with the Cavs. If he can be the alpha dog and hold those dudes accountable, they they we can't you can't say it strongly enough. They rolled over in that nugget series. That was a rollover. That was, there's like something wrong with your team. And really all they did was flip peril into a Baca. I don't feel like that's enough. But why can't that happen? Kawhi Leonard's a player who transformed who he was. He has maximized the on-court product. This is the first time San Antonio, when they were winning there, they had established leaders, goes to Toronto. They have Kyle Lowry and other vets there. And then yep. he goes to the Clippers and they fail. Is it not possible that Kawhi over the offseason is like, you know what? I got to work on me, how I am as a leader and how I interact with my teammates. I, I don't. How do you, but how do you unlikely? work on that? What does he go to like Starbucks and <laughs> orders a couple of baristas around? I don't, I don't know I how mean, you even work you, on you, that. It, you, it's a commitment to using your voice. It's a commitment to being a leader. And I think that's a transformation that whether it happens in business or whether it happens on a basketball team is something people can make. It's not like he hasn't been a leader by example, you know, by, See, by what he's hopeful, Gen, hopeful Gen Z KOC. And, and maybe it is. He has been, he's been, that's a why lead, I said it he's could be been, silly. He's been a leader by poor example. If what they say is true, which is playing whatever he wants to play, People yeah, sitting on a pl- people yeah. people sitting on a plane waiting it for it to go off. I'd be yeah, like, that, man, that part, I'd be like, that man, part F is this ridiculous. dude. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Here's the thing: you can get away with that special privilege stuff when you're LeBron, and that's it. That's, that's the only it, yeah. guy in the league who can do that stuff. And by the way, LeBron is an awesome leader, and yep. he is. you read all these different stories about he really puts a lot of time, thought, and energy in how to be the the main force with all these dudes and organizing team dinners and movie nights and all these different things. Kawhi's not ever going to be that kind of guy, but I worry about two things with him. One is, um, did, has it already passed the point of no return where they were catering to him in so many different ways? How do you kind of pull that back when you're letting somebody Mm -hmm. pick when they practice and pick when they show up? How do you like crack down on that? And then the other thing is just him physically. I thought he really slowed down 
KOC, that last yeah, round that's, against Denver. That's what I worry about. He looked like he was past his prime in a couple of those games. Whereas like in the in the Dallas series, it was like, oh my God, Kawhi's amazing. This is he's never looked better. And I thought he tailed off big time. That's why with the injury stuff and him, you know, load management and missing practices, I get it. But the fact that he has to do that in order to be healthy and be productive deep into a potential playoff finals run, that's why I worry the physical reason he has to skip those practices and has to load manage because of the fact that he has some problem with his lower body that causes that issue. And that, as we right. saw in the postseason, did cause a bit of a decline. He did not look like the Kawhi Leonard that we saw with Toronto or the San Antonio Spurs or even earlier in the season with the Clippers. So that's my number one concern with them is the health of Kawhi and the leadership also, do you aspect. Like, you know. Do you like their team? Do you like the way the pieces fit? Because I'm I'm not sure. They, like, I can't believe they, they didn't get rid of Lou Williams. Lou Williams like the worst playoff player of the last 10 years. It's still a good team, and I don't think I'm, I'm ready to assess their playoff hopes until the deadline passes. But right now, they still got to make changes. Lou Williams got to change that. I think the Canard upgrade... I mean, we'll see how the chemistry shakes out. They know more than anybody who the causes were of the, the chemistry issues there. And swapping Harrell, granted, Harrell was really good for him, and he was an energizer at times, and their offense was sluggish, and they needed him during the regular season. They know in that front office and coaching staff who the real chemistry issues were. And if, if it were just Harrell and not Lou Will and not Patrick Beverly or anybody else, then maybe things can work out better with this different mix that they have. But I'm not convinced that they're done making moves. I think more will come and needs to come. Chris, one other thing on this. What happens if they don't come out of the gate well? Mm. And you have Paul George, who has a player option, and you have a thing called the trade deadline. I feel like he becomes available pretty fast. They, there will be a scapegoat coming out of the gate here in the first two months unless they look like the Clipper. The thing with that Clippers team last year, they never looked like the Clipper team we thought we were getting. You'd see a flash for a game or two games, and you'd wait and wait. It never happened. And even in the Dallas series, they let a Dallas team hang around that had fucking Luka playing on one leg. And Porzingis played, what, 40% of the series, 30% of the series? That Dallas dragged it to six? Like, what the hell was that? So are you leading that we can come full circle and Paul George, we team him up with James Harden? <laughs> oh, those two deserve each other. <laughs> the, the Paul George doc didn't use me the way I like to be used. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I just can't believe these guys, that, that that was his takeaway from the season. It wasn't like, I need to look in the mirror. What happened? It, I've never really come through. I gotta, I gotta really try to figure out how to go up a level. No, it's Doc Rivers' fault. He didn't use even me right. even KOC, who's been critical of Doc. I think said it best and said Doc Rivers isn't the reason you hit the side of the backboard. <laughs> right. If you're gonna criticize Doc, criticize him for <laughs> guarding Jokic with Harrell and Jamichael Green for the whole fucking series. Like that would be a valid criticism. Like, why do we guard that dude with two guys who can't def play defense on him? And then Jamichael Green's like, I'm just gonna go play in Denver. He's like, I thought that was the most fascinating quote of anyone in the in the offseason. Really when he was like, Yeah, you know. They killed us. We rolled over and I was like, well, I'll just go play with them. Whatever he said. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I think he said they showed a lot of heart coming back 3-1 or something against us. And right. Yeah, it rough. seemed like an indictment. Oh, for sure. Bill, we're going to let you get out of here. You're the man. Thanks for giving us our Wait, own feed. I want KOC's Rookie of the Year pick. Mm. Rookie of the Year pick. Oh, yeah, I sent you right. all the odds. Yeah, you we sent, sent the odds. You sent us the odds. Hey, the best value on that thing you sent us is Cole Anthony. That's oh the best value. It is. Come on. Come no, on, you Chris. come on. No, Jeez. you come on. That's ludicrous. <laughs> those other odds. Those other odds suck. Lamelo Ball and James White. Lamelo's not winning it. But those are like a hundred bucks. Pays three hundred bucks. Give KOC the floor for twenty five seconds for his case that Killian Hayes is going to be the Rookie of the Year in Detroit. <laughs> Go ahead. Just do it. Get it over with. <laughs> I mean, you stole the words right out of my mouth. We're talking about the Pistons' starting point guard. A team that has some talent around him, guys to pass to, guys to alleviate the pressure for him. They're not going to be the worst team in the league. So they have that going for him, too. If you're talking about what, what media does, maybe, but not the worst. Killian Hayes is going to put up numbers. He's going to get a rack well, up a lot of that, assists. Tell him the odds. He was, what was he, plus 850? Odds, he's a plus 850 behind Edwards, Ball, Toppin, and Wiseman. So fifth best odds. 
I like those for Killian Hayes. I like Hayes plus eight fifty. Halliburton, I think, was nineteen to one, something like yeah, that. Fourteen to one, four, plus fourteen hundred for Halliburton. And then Wiseman was the other one, just because there's a world in which Wiseman comes out and he's just really good. Yeah, and that's possible. averages like a seventeen and seven, something like I. Who knows? One of the note on Hayes. He's going to be good defensively, and for like the the nerds out there, you know that love like care about defense. That there will be cases made like he's the best defensive rookie in the league. He's deserving a rookie of the year. So if you're talking about betting on who voters like me and you, Bill, will vote for, I think Killian Hayes plus eight fifty is a solid value. We good will value. have recently though we have given that award to team guys. It's gone more the way of the MVP. Now I'm not saying that those aren't the best players because they have been the best players, but. Both Luka, Don- Luka Doncic and John Morant were not on extraordinarily shitty teams, right? Yeah, but you got to put those guys aside. Yeah, I, I think this would be category. more like a Michael Carter Williams, Malcolm Brogdon type of oh, rookie of the year, right? Yeah, where somebody just played 32 minutes a game and put up solid numbers and everyone's like, eh. I agree. I have a question for Chris. Yeah. Killian Hayes, 2021 rookie of the year or the French Kendall Marshall? If you had to pick one. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing you, this to me? There, there, there's steam you coming out one, of his one ears. One or the other. Those are your only two choices. <laughs> no. Oh, wait. Have you turned on Killian Hayes, Bill? Because who was the one that you, uh, the the KOC one that, uh, it was the seven footer that weighed, weighed hundred pounds. The seven foot one ninety guy that oppressed yeah. he traded two picks for. That Alexei guy's gonna Pokershevsky. suck. Oh please, he's not gonna <laughs> suck. Too much skill, too much on size. Dra- <laughs> on draft night, it, it looked like they were holding his whole family hostage. They're like oh sitting around a kitchen table. They're sitting around a whole kitchen table. I was like, oh my god. What is happening? They're texting uh, press the updates. We've gotten him up to 191 pounds. He just had six cheeseburgers. Uh, <laughs> that guy's going to suck. I can't wait to play this clip back in seven <laughs> years. We, yeah, gonna... you said that about Mo Bamba. We told you that about Mo Bamba. We said the same thing. I'm not out on Bamba yet. Uh, he's, he's still I'm got his Bamba st- sack. I'm still on the island. Here's my fear with Hayes. I, I do think he moves at his own pace, which Luca, somebody like that can do. He's not like the lightning fast. He's more like the, you know, he he has like a vibe with how he plays. And I worry that the NBA is going to be a little too fast for him as a rookie. I think eventually he'll get there, but I, I worry about that because he's not like explosive like a tr- like a typical point he's, guard. He's not explosive and he doesn't have the burst that you find in a typical star point guard. But he has, a, he has great footwork for his age, good feel. And yeah. he's very good at decelerating too. He can stop and go. And he's I a think field he can, guy. Yeah, he's a field guy. And maybe he won't be like a top 10 point guard. I mean, a top 10 player in the league, but I think he can be a top 10 point guard. And, and that's where I see Killian Hayes' upside and potential rookie of the year. I still, I give LaMelo better odds than it seems like you do, Bill. I think he's going to put up numbers in Charlotte, especially in the assist category. You're I'm out. out. Gordon Hayward's going to put up the numbers. LaMelo takes a back seat. Why are you so out on LaMelo? I'm out. I just as a rookie of the year, I think he's going to have too many games where he goes like two for 13 with seven that, turnovers. That's what's going to hurt him. The he's too erratic. But like I mentioned in Hayes, he's going to have defense as an argument for him. He's going to be more efficient. LaMelo is going to have the inefficiency as a scorer that works against him when it comes to rookie of the year debates. Because I don't know if there's going to be a, a clear cut, obvious guy in this group of rookies. I, I don't I don't see one. Well, guy I don't know if like you that. saw, but it, it does not help. Uh my man, James Wiseman, he wasn't even able to show up at training camp today. You know, Kerr had to talk yeah. around it a bunch, but both he and Draymond Green out and everybody kind of understands that, you know, that, that, that's so it is such a tough spot for these teams to try to I explain know. when somebody tests positive because they just they don't know what the hell to say. And then their coach is out there trying to talk about the team and they can't really say. But then he they just kind of let like wink, wink to the reporters like hey. You guys are on the right track as to why they're not here, but they can't say because of the you know the rules. Uh, but that that's not a great it's it's not great because look, everybody's trying to get this stuff together so quickly. I mean, these teams are playing preseason games Thursday. It's they, unbelievable. Or, I like, saw I saw an ad for a game and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was like three days away. You know, with the one other guy we didn't mention is Toppin. Just and I don't I wouldn't bet on him because. Um, I think they have too many guys who play same type of position and I don't know how many minutes he's going to get, but I like that he's older. I think he, you know, he's somebody that could come in right away and maybe just 
wreak a little havoc offensively. I don't know if he'd do anything defensively, but that was we. This is going to be an MVP uh, rookie of the year season where whoever wins it is not going to have great stats. It will be like that Carter Williams season, I think. I don't. I don't see there's. I don't think there's any candidate for you to be like, oh my god, that guy's averaging twenty a game. I, I just don't see it. So you think it's just going to be. Bad team, huge stats guy. Bad team point guard. That's why I was thinking. Mm. Or even Halliburton, in his case, like if Sacramento is a little better than people expect. Where is he, he playing? A bench guy? Sacramento. Uh, I mean, we'll see. Does Buddy Heald start there? Probably. Yeah. But, yeah, no. you know, may, maybe Halliburton still puts up numbers off the bench. Maybe he ends games. And Sacramento, if they get into the playing tournament, yeah. Who knows? I could see. It's just, it's just hard because some him. of these guys are going to play 35 minutes a night, you know? Yeah, right. you're right. I'm yeah. so mad that they ended up with him because that that freaking franchise where they're just <laughs> like, yeah, take Bogdanovich. We're not going to match. Take an asset from us. <laughs> we'll pass. Like, I, th- these guys. And they knew it was going to happen. Everybody I, knew. I just Everybody knew it. he was going to get offered match a ton the of money. contract. You can trade it in six months. What are you doing? Or you could have traded him at the trade deadline last year. Mm-hmm. They literally turned him into a zero. Yeah. And they could have traded, as Chris said, they could have traded him for the deadline. Teams wanted him. They were the no, no, we want to resign him. He's supporting us. And then he goes for for nothing. Like if you're a Kings fan, you're looking no, at him like, what the fuck just happened? No, you'd think Danny Ainge is your GM. Oh. <laughs> what the hell too, is that? Too soon. <laughs> too soon. I mean, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but <laughs> not sure about too soon. There's been a massive spike in the John Morant rookie cards, which I think is the Vernon. Wow. I think it's the Vernon family driving the price up. That's right. I, I own them all. It's unbelievable. <laughs> They're treating him like he's like Oscar Robertson. I own them all. I I I I've flooded the market. Now there's only so many. There's they're so scarce now because I have seven days. Every single one yeah, of them. I've got all of them. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep piling them up, and I'm gonna pray that it all works out. Last thing before I go. I love working with you guys. I'm really proud that you have your own feed. It was fun to watch this show grow and become what it became. I think it has a lot of fans. And uh, and I love I love how hard you guys work at making the show entertaining. And I'm proud to have it. My man. Thank so you, So thanks Bill. for having Thank me. Thank you, Bill. Super appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Bill right. Simmons. Congrats, dudes. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Bill. Certainly appreciate having Bill Simmons on the show with us and uh, – all the kind words, Kevin. Um, that was cool. We have been promoting a lot for the new feed. Um, yes. I know we're super excited about everything that happened over the weekend. Uh, we're very grateful to all of you. And please help us get the word out about subscribing to the new feed because this is the only way people are going to be able to get the pod from now on as the Ringer NBA show feed continues. And they're doing some stuff with that, too. Yeah, there'll be a new show on Friday premiering this week to be determined. You know, you'll you'll see it when it comes out, but I'm looking forward to it on Friday. And then sometime, you know, in the coming weeks or months, I'll be hosting a show, I believe, uh, midweek um, on that feed. So we got more coming on the Ringer NBA show feed. So stay subscribed there. Stay following that feed. But also with this feed, the mismatch, please be sure to tell your friends who love the NBA. Hey, check out this pod. Hey, check out this pod. You know, maybe they'll like it. Maybe they're already a listener. They just forgot to subscribe or didn't hear last week's pod. So word of mouth is very, very important. So we appreciate everybody who's already followed and subscribed the new feed. That means the world to us. Me and Chris, thank you from both of us. But also, we're going to keep pushing it and hope you guys can help a little bit too. Thank you. Kevin, and by the next time we talk, I mean, it's going to be preseason time where we're actually going to be talking about how people have performed. Dude, it's wild. Our show drops Friday morning. That night, that night, we got five NBA preseason games <laughs> already. It this does doesn't this feel like like NBA 2K when you simulate the offseason and yes. suddenly it's the following season? That's what it feels like right now. Everything, I mean, in life is moving simultaneously slow and fast. But this NBA season was just all fast. It's weird. I'm gonna tell you, I, I the uh this weekend my son was playing 2K and he was playing uh he was playing all manner of games throughout the day while I was watching some football games. He had another TV on in the room, his game uh where his gaming console is, and I was watching as he was playing and I saw him playing against 
these different teams. So I saw him playing against the Warriors, and I saw Wiseman on there, and I saw like LaMelo uh, playing for the Hornets, and just even watching them and watching like what their faces looked like and everything. That game is incredible, by the way. Did they fix the fact that in transition, shooters go to deep mid range and don't, yep. you know, go to the uh, behind the arc? Did they fix that? I don't know yet. I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I was just I, watching I, I him play. So. I was just watching him play, but even just watching that, you know, it becomes real that, oh man, this is going to look cool with Wiseman there running with, with Steph Curry, like, you know, he could throw it down to him in the post or whatever. And the preseason obviously could be boring. There's never that much you can draw out of it, but it is going to be fun for the guys that are on new teams. And especially it's always fun to see the rookies for the first time, even if it's preseason, just seeing them on a court against NBA level competition it for the first time is something that's always fun and you can usually like it's it's not the end all be all but you can kind of see who looks like they fit right in right off the bat during the preseason you can i think preseason is valuable in that sense you can never overreact to what's happening but i think you do have to take in and we'll talk about this more later in the week but you have to take in what is happening and think about how can this translate to the regular season? I remember in James Harden's MVP season, his preseason numbers per 36 were pretty close to what his actual numbers during the seasons were. And I remember, I forget if I predicted Harden for MVP or said, watch out for him as an MVP candidate. Like we talked about recently, my memory is not the sharpest, (laughs) 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 but I remember that preseason looking at his numbers, like this is, this is like his historic pace for him compared to his past preseasons and his past preseasons were similar to his regular seasons that followed point being is that for rookies, for veterans, for guys in new situations or in changing roles, there is stuff to watch for in terms of how they might be utilized and how things could translate to the regular season. So I find value in it, but you can't read into it too much, especially with team performance. Who's Friday. Do you have that pulled up? We got Friday, 7 p.m., Orlando and Atlanta, New York Cole and Anthony, Detroit. Cole Anthony. <laughs> 8 p.m., Houston, Chicago, 10 o'clock, Lakers, Clippers, 10.30, Kings, Blazers. Five games. I'm excited. I'm excited, Chris. You're going to get a lot of, uh, what is it, Horton Tucker in that Laker game, mm. aren't we? <laughs> Hey, man. There's no way any of those guys are playing. There's no (laughs) way any of them will even touch the floor. It's going to be the Talon uh, Talon, uh, Wharton Tucker show. It's the uh, Alex Caruso show. That's what it's going to be. Then again, has Caruso entered that echelon of Lakers that's going to get star rest? (laughs) (laughs) He's going to take the night off. (laughs) I don't want to give it to him. He's pretty good. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, there's going to be preseason games by Did you see my, my hoodie I posted on Instagram the other day? No. My Father John Misty hoodie? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, did you see the comments to that? That was funny. Uh, just for a description of people, I, I bought a Father John Misty hoodie that the, Dan Bailey and John Titterington, the people who made the theme song for the mismatch, are in the band Father John Misty. And I love Father John Misty, that band Josh Tillman. He is Father John Misty. I support them. So I bought a hoodie. The hoodie... Looks like a Lakers logo, but it says Father John Misty. Yes. And so, you know, I, I posted that. And you're and, wearing that in Boston. And, well, I mean, technically South Brockton. Shore, Massachusetts, but yeah. But <laughs> but the Lakers fans loved it. They're like, come to the dark side. You're that much closer. I'm like, it's a Father John Misty hoodie. It's a Father John Misty hoodie. Just because it looks like a Lakers logo. It's not a Lakers logo. Where do you land with this, Sasha? Where, where are you at with this as a Lakers fan? What are your thoughts on yeah, that? It, it's meant to look like a Lakers logo, too. I know it is, but it's a Father John oh. Misty hoodie that's an NBA. It's NBA related, so I had to get it. Why would I not get it? I, dis- I look. disapprove. <laughs> look, look, you've been predicting the Lakers before the season even starts for the past uh, two yeah. years, and then you True. put on the Father John Misty Lakers lookalike hoodie. <laughs> I don't know what you expect, honestly. He's he's kind of a closet Laker fan, isn't he, Sasha? You can tell. Well, he's a 
He's a LeBron fan. There's no way Don't around LeBron that. LeBron James for granted. I'm also an Alex Caruso fan. And an Anthony Davis fan. Oh, and a Marcus Hall fan. I do like AD. Oh, yeah, so many players to root for. Oh, there's so many players to root for. You know, I was a really, I really like Dennis Schroeder in the 13 draft, too. Back when I was working for Celtics blog, I'm like, he could be a great Rondo replacement. Here's the question. Would you have bought the Father John Misty uh, hoodie if it looked like a New York Giants logo? I mean, no, because it's football. And I have, I mean, no, for that reason. I was just trying to think because I know you're a Patriots fan. How about a Yankees? If it was a Yankees logo? No. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. So, I mean, we are testing there, you. There, here. Are, there are certain. We're testing you. There's certain barriers that I feel like. As someone who grew up in this area, and I realized <laughs> when the Lakers won that, like you're like you crossed the barrier, yeah, you, 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 yeah. <laughs> but but like for me and my upbringing, like I lived Red Sox Yankees, I lived one of the heights of that rivalry back in the early 2000s. Aaron Boone, Alex Rodriguez, Jason Veritek slapping, slapping. You didn't hate the Lakers. You didn't hate the Lakers. You didn't hate the Lakers. I, I mean, of course I hated the Lakers. You can look back at my Facebook statuses from like 09 and 10. I mean, I, uh, those are all hidden in the past. But let's not look back at those. Let's but, do it. <laughs> let's do it. I want to see teenage KOC. I used to hate LeBron. I used, But I also used to love LeBron when he was a young player. I, I had a journey like loving LeBron when he led the Cavs against the Spurs, then hating him during the Celtics-Cavs rivalries hating him when he went to the heat and then growing to appreciate him. And now really, really, truly deeply appreciating him and respecting him as a player and person and leader and everything. But you know, with the, with the Lakers, that Celtics Lakers rivalry was really only two years in my life, two years. You know what I mean? It was Red Sox Yankees. It was, it was really a, quite a long time. It was many years. And, and that was was really ingrained in me from a young age with my dad and our, our relationship. And with, man, where, where you and, and, and with and with the Giants, I'll tell you what: Super Bowl forty two, Super Bowl forty two, and the Patriots lost. The eighteen and zero Patriots lost to the Giants. Eli Manning, Eli Manning, Eli Manning in the Super Bowl. It still gets me mad. It still gets me sad. But on that day, I cried. I cried when the Patriots lost. When Tom Brady threw the Hail Mary and it sailed past Randy Moss, I cried. That's one of the only times I've ever cried over a sports game. I cried after the Celtics won the championship in 08. I cried after the Patriots beat the Seahawks and shared that with my dad. But I also cried when the Patriots lost to the Giants. That's the only loss I've ever cried at because that team was like a friend to me, not like, like a best friend to me. And just the amount of fun we had during that ride. That's one of the reasons why I think that loss shaped me as a person because I don't think I truly, <laughs> I'm serious. And I'm not, I mean, I, I'm serious. That I don't shape you as a person. I, it did. I don't think I truly, truly appreciated that run. I don't, mm. I think I took it for granted. Ah. And, and after that, I, the, the sadness I felt and, and you know, over a sport, you know, losing, losing, you know, the, the Super Bowl, despite being a spoiled fan that already won multiple championships for my city and including the Patriots, I was, <laughs> I was like, I can't invest everything in the end. I can't invest all my hopes in the final destination. I need to appreciate every step of the way there. And ever since then, I have invested my energy and my heart into enjoying the journey and taking it step by step. And it's largely due to that loss. Like, it sounds silly, but that was a pivotal day in my life. It really was. It really was. Well, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be your therapist. Thank you, Chris. Kevin, you don't have to overcompensate to LeBron for things that you wrote when you were 14. <laughs> <laughs> And you don't, and you don't, and you don't have to appreciate everything just because the Patriots uh, lost. Uh, <laughs> All right, give it up. <laughs> LeBron doesn't even know that you said he was a scumbag so in eighteen in two thousand and eight. Here, here's some of my statuses. I looked it up on Facebook just now. <laughs> July 9th, twenty ten. 
Please. And there's a typo. I typed EPSN. EPSN might as well be renamed LeBron James Network for the last two weeks. June 22nd, 2012. Bill Russell hand- handling the MVP trophy to LeBron James. Just sick to my stomach. <laughs> And then, uh, though, this is where things turned for a lot of people. July 11th, 2014. What an awesome day in sports. LeBron James re-signing with the Cavaliers is the best thing that could have happened. It's a perfect story, and I really can't wait to see what happens next. When I read the news, I couldn't help but laugh and smile because it's something I've been wishing for so much. Hopefully, I can go back to loving LeBron like I did during their run to the NBA Finals back in 07. That's what I wrote in 2014. That's when it turned for me and for a lot of people. and Because that, that was, a, you know... It turned because they traded ball, away Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. No, I mean, I mean for LeBron specifically, <laughs> though, that, that was a great story, though. That's a great sports story, that LeBron won two titles with Miami, and then he goes back to Cleveland. That sucked, and he wins with them. We're going to look back at that year, more so than we already do many years from now and see that LeBron block against Iguodala and everything else that happened in that series. And, well, I mean... That's special, man. The yeah. fact that he did that, that's pretty crazy. Now winning with the Lakers and still going, extending his contract. Boy, oh boy. I mean, think about it, dude. I, dude, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't Your kids stop, weren't even alive when he started. Jesus Christ, I wish Randy Moss would have caught that ball. <laughs> Trust me. None of this would I, I do too. I do too. I wouldn't I have to hear too. about LeBron every friggin' day if, if Lorraine Moss would have just caught that day. If David Tyree didn't wedge it against uh, his hand. If 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 they got the stop on Brandon Jacobs uh, <laughs> on fourth down, if, if Asante Samuel didn't drop an interception, come on, let's keep going. Uh. Not that it haunts you. It haunts me. I've watched uh, those final, the fourth quarter, way too many times. Oh, my God. Way All right. too many well, times. Look, hopefully we'll be watching basketball by the end of this week. Certainly appreciate Bill Simmons <laughs> joining us on the show. Thank you to uh, producer Sasha, as always. Please subscribe to the Mismatch feed on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you get your podcast. And we will talk to you on Friday. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.